welcome back to another episode of Two on OSU. I'm Sam Hutchins. I feel comfortable speaking for Ben Hutchins when I say we are excited to be here, excited to join you, and thanks for listening to Two on OSU. You're probably coming to find out about the Big 12 championship, and Ben and I will certainly get into that there. The Cowboys were decimated in Arlington. It wasn't pretty. It was kind of a crazy game, Ben. You know, on the, the sideline before the game, I walked by Bevo, The Undertaker, and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. It was like the start of a bad joke. Um, just a crazy game, but the I guess let's jump into it there. Who had thicker shoulders, The Undertaker or Bevo? Yeah, um, I, I think I'm going to go Bevo by a hair. And that's no <laughs> disrespect to The Undertaker, no. who was bigger in person uh, than the guy I walk, walked on TV. I, I joked, Sam, at the start of that game, when Alan Bowman threw that pass to Rashad Owens and it was uh, a no-call pass interference, I said, man, who's in charge of these pass interferences? Is it The Undertaker? I mean, someone who uh, who knows a little bit about contact, I think, was, was uh, in charge of those PI calls. Well, we'll we'll get into it there. Um, it, it was an interesting game. Ben and I, we kind of predicted it a little bit. The the Cowboys lost forty nine to twenty one. Felt like it could have been worse. One of those scores, maybe you look up and think, "Oh, dang!" You know, forty nine twenty one. It even felt further apart than that. Um, I thought, but Texas is now on to the college football playoff. The Cowboys are on to the Tax Act Texas Bowl to face Texas A and M who they just faced in 2019, and Texas A&M barely won that one. So um, I, let's thank the sponsors, Ben. The sponsors have been good to us all year, certainly good to us, um, helping us cover all these games down the stretch, and we look forward to covering in person in the Texas Bowl and beyond. So two fellas movers, thanks so much to those guys, and we encourage you to give them a call if you need two fellas to move things. Um, call them before you call Ben and I, if you're our friends that are listening. Uh, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, thank you to those guys. Beautiful building on the outside. Looks just as great on the inside, too. MidFirst Bank, it's important to get your finances done. Ben and I are almost co- or just graduated from college. Certainly, we were uh, crossing that bridge recently, getting everything in order. Whatever age you are, get with MidFirst Bank. They'll help you uh, get set up. And Fire Lake Jobs will also help you get, get set up if you need a job. Go over to that website. They're great in the, the state of Oklahoma in getting people jobs and uh, a change in career path. And lastly, I'd like to thank Oklahoma Ford dealers. Ben, our trip to Arlington was courtesy of a Ford vehicle. That's what the sellout crew piled into. I don't know about you. Were you as comfortable as I was, Ben? It, it, it was a good experience. Yeah, the, the third row had plenty of room. We, we brought it up, and I think you even wrote your newsletter from the back row of the Ford. Great time. Driving to your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Ben, the Cowboys may be the best team in Oklahoma, but they're not the best team in the Big 12. Texas clearly proved that. Maybe Texas proved Oklahoma State's not the best team in the Big 12. That's all for fans to decide. But what was was your main takeaway from the game reaction to the game? Yeah, Sam, it's... Look, if... If you're an OSU fan and, and you've made it this far in the episode, thank you. Because I know the last thing you want to hear us do is is recap what happened in that blowout. You've already seen it. You've already probably tried to move on in your mind. But Sam, there are some, I think, important distinctions to be drawn from this game rather than the UCF blowout or the South Alabama blowout. And it's a point you made. You said it wasn't exactly what Mike Gundy said post game that kind of perked your ears up. It's what he didn't say. 
That's right. After South Alabama and after UCF, those blowouts, Gundy went to his refrain, we got out coached. And he did not say, we got out coached. And it didn't really feel like that. It felt like the Cowboys were out recruited in the offseason and out jumped and out 40 times and everything else. Texas was just a better team. Um, so, so that's what I thought was interesting is that that wasn't the refrain of we got out coached and maybe the Cowboys did get out coached. You know, Brian Nardo doesn't have as much experience in this type of game as Steve Sarkeesian does. And um, Texas was certainly running wide open, but a lot of that was just athleticism and um, the fact that Texas is going to compete for a national championship um, in, in the college football playoffs soon. The the Longhorns, they have 11 players that could be drafted. That's kind of the number that's thrown around. And a few of those guys have first and second round grades. Um, OSU's always done more with less, Ben. But, you know, e- even in a talent disparity, um, th- this showed that, yeah, the Cowboys, maybe the, the Longhorns are at a tier of their own in the Big 12. When we were down there po- pregame, Sam, Tavondre Sweat was bigger than I would have ever expected, which is saying something. We, we talked about the, the big Texas defensive lineman. And when I was up in the press box, the Longhorns were faster than what I thought uh, they looked like. And Gundy said as much on tape. You know, they, they're, uh, they're a lot faster and stuff than, than you would ever think. Um, Tavondre Sweat might beat The Undertaker in an arm wrestle <laughs> down there. He might have been one of the guys that had broader shoulders, bigger dude. Yeah. No, man, I mean, the, the thing that I just... The, the thought that popped into my mind is, gosh, like the sidelines didn't even apply to Texas. It felt like every time they got loose to the side, they were tiptoeing and running by OSU players. Um, it just felt like kind of the general laws of um, athleticism in the Big 12 that we've seen this season didn't apply to Texas. And they were running wide open um, a bunch of plays of, of 10 or more yards, Sam. It was 27 plays that Texas had that were double digits. OSU only had eight double-digit yardage plays. Yeah, and, and even if we take away what Texas did, and yeah, like Texas are really good, the Cowboys didn't really play that well anyway. Um, offensively and defensively, they, they, they really struggled out there. So um, regardless of you know how much it's tougher to play well against a really athletic, well-coached team, uh, the Cowboys didn't really play well regardless, I, I, I didn't think. Um, but yeah, it, it was maybe the most just a matter of that was kind of an SEC team out there or an SEC ready team. I thought it was funny, Ben, after being mocked all year long with the SEC chance that, you know, Texas and, and OU, Texas finally turned it around and those Texas fans started chanting SEC, SEC. And it was just like, dang, man, this this team, the, they're projected, you know, top, top four, could make some noise in the playoff, and they could uh, be set up well for success in the SEC. I'd recommend checking out Barry Trammell's column. He kind of said, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, maybe your reaction should be good riddance. You know, the horns are, are getting too good, and um, uh, Oklahoma State, just, you're going to have a lot better luck getting back in that game and winning it uh, against uh, Big 12 teams, not, not Texas-level teams. Yeah, the only refrain to that would be, well, Oklahoma State's kind of owned Texas the, the last you know decade or so. And, and they have. Oklahoma State, I think, even with this game, still uh, goes into the divorce, goes into the SEC Big 12 world with a feeling of, hey, you know, we kind of hung with Texas. We kind of had them, even though this game was so lopsided. But yeah, when, when those fans were chanting SEC, SEC, as, as Arch Manning was in the game, Sam, it was like, 
yeah, this this team is going to be a problem, and and maybe um, it's a good thing for Oklahoma State's chances getting back to this game in Arlington that uh, the Texas Longhorns are are going to be in the SEC. Well, it was certainly a different blowout, um, and I think that's probably the best way to put it is because, yeah, the Cowboys still got blown out. It was not close. Heck, you know, five drives into the game for, for Texas, but it really wasn't close throughout. But unlike a, a UCF game where it's like, dang, the Cowboys are getting boat, ra- boat raced out there, and we don't really know what's going on. The only answer is being outcoached. There were just more answers. So I think that's why Mike Gundy seemed uh, a lot more jovial, you know, comparative to uh, a game like South Alabama or, or UCF where it really starts some alarm bells up. Uh, well, and, being- and, and listen to this. It's not what anybody wanted to hear in that moment, but like OSU had a great season. OSU exceeded expectations. You know, the, the talk going into this one is like over under six and a half games or whatever it was. Um, and for the Cowboys to be in Arlington, it felt like a really special uh, season, and the the tax act, the tax act Texas Bowl might not be the consolation prize a lot of people wanted, but you know, getting to Arlington is is I think an even bigger accomplishment than any bowl game OSU would have been going to this season. So, sure, it's I, I think it was kind of a a point post game where Mike Gunny leaned back and said, "Hey, you know, th- this game is something uh, special, and we have accomplished something pretty good this year." That's true. It it ended with obviously a super sour taste for a lot of OSU fans, and really there were a ton of dips in this roller coaster. But it's been an impressive ride this season for the Cowboys. That um, certainly not in the Big Twelve poll projected to or or anything else. But you're right. I guess it has been overall a season of success, and maybe you don't count starting seasons of success until you see who leaves in the portal, and uh, you know maybe it's. Can you hold the team together and carry anything into next year? So we'll see on that. Um, the the transfer portal opened as we record today on Monday, and then um, it's only going to get crazier. But so far, the Cowboys have been um, – not too many people have been jettisoning out, but it's, uh, inter- it's interesting to see. Let me interject one quick thought real quick before we move on to kind of the transfer portal and next season. Um, it, it, would, it would be a fun poll, I think, on Twitter or something – I'd be curious to see if Cowboy fans, if we could get them to participate, would rather sit through the 2021 Big 12 championship game again or the 2023 Big 12 championship game again? Which one do you Mm -hmm. think, I mean, both equally brutal from an OSU perspective and in completely different ways? What do you think the answer would be there? Yeah, I mean, we were there for both of them, Ben. I know the easier, the more fun one to cover was, was 21. Um, obviously being being a media member you're you're kind of removed from the the heartbreak of it all and you're more analytical in it um but for fans i I imagine it'd be pretty split um because in in 21 you were the team with the expectations oklahoma state was supposed to win and go to the college football playoff and it was an amazing game that was an inch or two short uh and then this year is a little different i talked to brandon presley after the game ben and he told me he kind of felt the same so he said it's still heartbreak, whether you lose by an inch or however much Oklahoma State lost by against Texas. So I know that's what Presley was feeling. I imagine a lot of the players kind of felt the same. But when you do take a step back, I think um, the 23 team, it was a lot more impressive for them to even get there compared to the 21 team. Yeah, But 
Ben, we did some predictions early in the season, before the season even started, that we thought would be fun to revisit. Um, your predictions aged pretty well, so I think I'll, I'll lead you off. But go over the questions and then how we fared. Um, we've talked all season long about how unpredictable this team is. But it's interesting to uh, turn back to some preseason questions that we had. Yeah, it is fun to to look at that because... I, I, I watched our, our video we did from back then, and it's like, I remember where I was in that moment. And it was just a completely different um, opinion of the team and a completely different idea of what was going to happen than what it is now, which is, of course, why you play the games. Um, we asked each other in the preseason or, or week one or whenever it was, which transfer OSU was going to miss the most. Do you remember who you said? I said Spencer Sanders. And I don't know, maybe the answer to this is in a, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a no contest a little bit. It's hard to evaluate truly without, um, you know, Spencer Sanders playing and he backed up Jackson Darda, Ole Miss, uh, and Ole Miss is a good team, Peach Bowl bound, but I don't know. Bowman filled in pretty admirably. I, I think maybe where the Cowboys missed Sanders the most is a game like the big 12 championship game when you are a little outmatched. You are a little under the gun and, and you need a gunslinger. You need a guy who's going to run around. He'll make some bad plays. He'll make some crazy good plays and you just kind of have to live with it. Um, and Spencer Sanders, I think he at least would have given Oklahoma State um, a higher ceiling and a lower floor. He kind of just um, shakes everything up a little bit. He's like one of those, uh, is it a catalyst in chemistry when you pour it in and just everything starts shaking and you never know what's going to happen. Um, so I, I, I think for a lot of the time, Oklahoma State needed a guy like Bowman, keep everything level. And then for a game like the Big 12 championship game, Cowboys could have used a guy like Sanders. So yeah. no contest, hard to tell. Yeah. And Bowman did make some plays with his legs. Um, but I agree, he's not kind of built in the same way where if you need to come behind from, you know, three, four touchdowns down. Um, uh, like Sanders like, did in 21. Sanders did that in 21. He he got him way behind. I mean, he had some picks. I think a couple of them were bad luck, if I remember right. But then he did get him back. So may, maybe the 23 game would have looked a little different with, with Sanders in there. Or, or maybe you say, didn't. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, the, the transfer I thought OSU was going to miss the most was uh, JPR, John Paul Richardson, Sam. And I think I said that. I, I don't know if I was spot on there. Because I was surprised by the emergence of Deshaun Stribling and Leon Johnson III. I did not expect to see both of those guys impact OSU uh, as much as they did. Yeah, and Presley was kind of the third down guy this year. I mean, that was, that was really something that JPR did well last year. But it was, it was Presley a ton of the time. Leon Johnson got some looks on third down. So yeah, I, I think the, the, the wide receiver core kind of came out of nowhere this year, even through injuries. So that was hard to predict, too. Um, I think we both missed, ultimately, Ben. I think it's been Jabbar Muhammad, cornerback at Washington, who's emerged as one of the best players in, uh, in college football. And um, he, he's got Washington uh, in, in the, the college football playoff. But I just think, too, again, the Big 12 championship game, when you lose a guy like Corey Black, your, your experienced DB out there, the Cowboys have a promising DB core, but it's really young. And, man, a guy like Jabbar Muhammad would be really important to that team. Yeah, even a guy like Thomas Harper uh, would, would help, you know, back there, uh, a veteran back there. And, of course, he's at Notre Dame. 
Um, the other kind of question we asked is, what's the scariest trap game? You know, the, the one that should have OSU kind of worried. And we were both pretty accurate there. It's, it's funny. I, I said South Alabama. Um, you know, I told you so, I guess I can say that. The, it's, it's interesting, though. The South Alabama game wasn't necessarily as much of a trap game as much of like a, hey, this is the mid-major that you should be expecting to give you a tough fight. Um, so South Alabama obviously won 33 to seven in BPS. It was not pretty. And the, the Jaguars been, they finished six and six. So it wasn't like losing to Tulane last year where it's like, oh, dang, that loss ended up actually being very, very explainable. The, the, the Jaguars were nothing special this season and they just came into BPS and, uh, really outplayed the Cowboys. So that, that was my trap game, but you, I think, maybe more correctly identified the ultimate trap game that was surprising. Yeah, I said UCF. Um, and I didn't predict a rainstorm. I didn't predict, you know, J- John Reese Plumley to go nuclear uh, with his legs. But I did kind of have a funny feeling about that game in the bounce house. And I think that was certainly a low point um, this season for the Cowboys. Just, just didn't look good really throughout that entire game. Um, you were kind of cheating, just picking the game after Bedlam. <laughs> but now that when Oklahoma State won it, it's like, oh, shoot, they really do have everything on the table. And then they went to, to Orlando and got smoked. So, yeah, two two trap games. Um, did we miss any? Were those the only two options, you think? Or was there another one that maybe Oklahoma State won? Uh, I mean, Houston was, was one uh, I think we had kind of looked at. But OSU ended up taking care of business there um, in comeback fashion. I, I think those were kind of got out of the trap against BYU a little bit too. Like that would have been the the true trap of you know just win and you're you're moving on. And then they almost didn't. So they they escaped two traps, got caught in two as well. And hey, there's there's one point I wanted to circle back on. Now that we are in sort of a you know lean back kind of reflection mood, maybe uh maybe the South Alabama game you predicted, Sam, was exactly what OSU needed. It kind of helped them reorient their running attack. They simplified the scheme. Um, it, you know, Alan Bowman comes out the next game against Iowa State as kind of the guy. Maybe that loss at home in Boone Pickens Stadium, first loss in a long time to a group of five opponent. Maybe that was what the Cowboys needed to get to Arlington. I don't know. Just an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, the first loss since that Central Michigan game, right? That will will create a rile rile up all Oklahoma State fans, but. Yeah, after that South Alabama game, that was when the Cowboys made all the changes. Gave Ollie Gordon the ball, gave Alan Bowman the full-time job, went to Ames and said, we're stripping out the playbook, running kind of the bare minimum, getting Ollie Gordon north and south. And you're right, that's how the Cowboys found a, got on a heater and got to the Big 12 championship game. So it is interesting. That game, it was the turning point, and maybe they needed a conversation that said, this isn't working, you got to change everything. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, we also had a bigger prediction or a bigger um, picture prediction, which is our overall records uh, that we thought OSU would end up with. And Sam, I said eight and four. You said nine and three. Uh, the Cowboys finished nine and three kind of in the regular season and then went nine and four overall after the Big 12 championship. So we were both spot on there, but we were both, uh, I guess, right to pick OSU above what Vegas thought, what uh, what what people in the desert were thinking that the Cowboys would finish. 
Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those predictions. Um, we didn't put anything on it. If you are the type of person to put anything on your predictions, one of those deals, you almost want to close your eyes and not watch the season. Because at times, at yeah. a lot of the times, it did not look like the Cowboys were going to get nine wins or, or eight wins or seven wins. But it was a tale of two seasons. And like you said, Ben, after the, the South Alabama game, Oklahoma State changed everything. And then they lost against Iowa State. But after that, everything really turned around and the Cowboys played really well down the stretch. So not how I expected my prediction to be fulfilled, but it uh, we were both pretty accurate on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get into the two-minute drill, Sam, unless you want to talk a little bit about what Mike Gundy shared today in his pre-bowl press conference. It'll be the last time uh, we talk with, with Mike before, I think, signing day should, should be the next time we talk to him. Sam, what were kind of some of your quick takeaways from what Mike said before the bowl? Yeah, a couple quick hitters. He said he expects pretty uh, a pretty full roster, not a lot of opt-outs for the bowl game. And I really don't either. There's just not a lot of Cowboys that, um, you know, have an NFL future or, or you know, or, or just want to be preparing for the combine. Um, not as much as past years. So there's always some surprises. I'd hate to, to venture out names right now of guesses. but. Um, he expects a pretty full roster for the Tax Act Bowl. And he's not sure, but hoping to get Jaden Nixon back. Uh, Nixon, the Oklahoma State backup running back, didn't play in the Big 12 championship game. He was dealing with a personal matter. But Gundy's hopeful, kind of expecting to, to get him back. But he said he wasn't um, going to venture out any guarantees on that front either. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to check my imaginary watch here. Because in transfer portal season, you really have to check it minute by minute. So here we are sitting on Monday afternoon recording and two Cowboys have entered the transfer portal. Um, Tyrone Weber, a uh, Juco offensive lineman from New Mexico Military Institute. He was a, a high prized kind of piece of this transfer signing class that just didn't work out for the Cowboys. He wasn't able uh, to play in any of the games this season. So he's back in the portal looking for another home. And Lardarius Webb Jr., a safety also from the JUCO ranks, is right now the second Cowboy in the portal. Okay, Ben, we'll close it with the two-minute drill. Get your imaginary watch back out. Be quick. Get in and out under two minutes with me. But I want to ask you, what did you think about Brett Yormark's off-the-field handiwork in the Big 12 championship game? It was everywhere. Uh, Nelly performing um, the... The UFC belt, the UFC logo on the field. What'd you think of it? Cool or not? And um, is it something that's sustainable and bringing eyes to the program, bringing eyes to the conference, or is it a little cringy? Well, first of all, you just made a lot of people mad, mistaking uh, or confusing WWE for UFC. Oh um, yeah, so you, yeah, yeah. So you'll My have bad. to answer. You'll have to answer from the from the social media <laughs> mob there. I'm sure. But no, Sam. It didn't necessarily all appeal to me, um, which isn't, I, I might not be the target audience of Nelly and of the, the WWE there, Sam, but I do like that Brett Yormark is continuing to try things, right? A couple years ago, it was um, the, the Bape kind of clothing brand uh, in the Big 12 championship game. And this year he's doing some new things. And he said, we're going to continue to do that. He said, look, it's, it's going to be kind of like the Super Bowl. We're going to have halftime acts and continue to do things that elevate the Big 12 brand. So I wasn't the biggest fan of, of kind of the gimmicks out there Saturday, but I do like to see 
Brett Yormark continuing to do some innovative things and just trying stuff. I'm with you. I think Yormark is overall doing a good job. Not everything hits in terms of off the field engagement and concerts and brand, you know, combinations, but he doesn't need to bat a hundred. I think he's just doing anything different, doing anything he can to innovate is going to be important in the years to come in college football. And, um, his ability, I've been impressed with it enough to have a WWE uh, mark on the the field and with the with the belt. It's just fun, and conference championships should be, I think, a little fun. The person I was most impressed with was Warren Ziders on the national anthem. I thought he did a great job. Hopefully, you were able to catch some of that, or they showed some of it on the broadcast. But um, I think we're a little too young for Nelly, but uh, I wasn't able to catch too much of that performance. But hey, he's hitting all age groups. So, and I know the the WWE. It appealed to everyone. I saw people of all ages really getting up and uh, out of their seat for that. So I guess good on your mark overall. I've, I've been mostly impressed. Yeah, talking with them, I've never encountered a person like Brett Yormark. I mean, and you don't say that about a lot of people. Um, but truly, Brett Yormark, I, I sat in his press conference before the game, Sam, and he just sounds, comes across, feels different than literally anybody else I've come across. And, and maybe that's why he was working with, you know, Rock Nation and, and Jay-Z and got to the heights uh, he is there. But yeah, I, I think it's, the Big 12 is in good hands with, with Brett Yormark. Well, that'll close it for us on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, it was probably a tough episode to click on. Hopefully we made it worth your while for Oklahoma State fans. And we'll be back next week and later on leading up and covering the transfer portal and, and the Tax Act Bowl as best we can. Thanks to Jacqueline Musgrove and Michael Lane behind the scenes for making the podcast look as good as it does. And stay tuned for whatever we have coming down the, the line. Stories, audio content, and the, the rest. Thank you.